This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Hallie Bateman, an illustrator and writer in Los Angeles. She's the author of three books, including What to Do When I'm Gone and Directions. Now here's more of our conversation. I'll read this one. The subject is, and by the way, I did not write this. Um, I, I, this is not how I would have phrased this letter writer's problem. I think, again, we have a letter writer who's being a little hard on themselves. The subject is, too baby for college. I'm a high school senior, getting ready for college, and I'm terrified. My world was rocked by COVID. That finally convinced me to start addressing my mental health, and I've recently been diagnosed not only with severe anxiety, but also ADHD. While medication has been a game changer, it's also scary in its own way. I'm not sure what to expect of myself anymore or what my, quote, baseline is. I've lived in the same town my whole life, and I've always been an acquired taste, so I'm not even sure I'm capable of making new friends. I don't know if I'll be able to do work or live or even get up on my own. My therapist has suggested adopting a cat as an emotional support animal, and I really feel like that would help. But whenever I imagine talking about that or any other accommodations to my parents, I just feel like a burden. Why can't I just do what everyone else can do and go to college? Any advice or reassurance would really help. Where do you want to start with this one? There's so many different. Yeah, there's so much going on. There's there's a lot of I have a few questions like I, I would love to know why they feel like a burden to their parents. And they say, why can't I do what everyone else can do and go to college? But at the beginning, they say, I'm in the process of getting ready for college. So it sounds like you are going to college. And it's just, you're saying, why can't I just go and be totally excited about it and totally chill? I I mean, is that kind of what you're getting, Daniel? I I think so. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's this sort of question of, I'm not sure I'll be able to do this. And so the letter writer has sort of preemptively, you know, I bet nobody else is also struggling. I bet nobody else is also genuinely concerned with their ability to cope. And therefore, everyone else must just be like doing smooth sailing right now. And I I don't want to, by the way, like dismiss the letter writer's genuine concerns about specific mental health needs and like accommodations that might be necessary, especially for ADHD, um, as just like, don't worry, everyone feels insecure. Let me reassure you, you'll be fine. Here's no tools. Go do your best. Um, Because I think there are ways in which reassurance can actually be quite like daunting. Um, I'll start with just a couple of of thoughts that are a, a bit scattered and hopefully I'll be able to dial in to something by the end of it. You know, I'm aware that this last bit was a little bit of like, this is what it feels like. And so it, it seemed clear to me that the letter writer was aware that they were being slightly playful. But just to clarify, um, you know, not everyone goes to college. Many people don't go to college. You know, millions of people don't go to college. Most people don't go to college. You know, more than half of people generally don't go to college. It's not everybody. So my guess is that was something more like most of the people that I know or most of the people in my cohort or most of the people in my like class, either your high school class or your like social class. 
And I'm not saying that to say like, and just, you know, decline to attend and go do whatever you feel like for the next couple of years. I just mean, it's truly not something that everyone does. It's really, really not. Factually. And and people drop out of college. People's lives fall apart in college. People people do all kinds of wild things in college. So again, not to say like, go go drop out or like go have a terrible time. I just mean like, it's not like everyone just goes to college, has a great time, graduates on time, and then sails on to like perfect happiness. I'm reminded, by the way, Hallie, of the fact that you and I were emailing earlier about whether or not you wanted to discuss the show Felicity today. And I'm just like, part of me is just like, think about Felicity, the Carrie Russell show from 1999. She went to college and it it didn't go very well for her, did it? Felicity is the definition of an acquired taste. I mean, come on. she She went to college with zero she didn't have friends in high school like she had no uh she she didn't even have a diagnosis for her mental health issues i think that uh yeah felicity's a, a really good example of someone who is terrified to go to college and and figuring it out and and i also just want to want to really relate to this this person kind of I, I can tell that there's sort of a um like a tunnel vision going on where there's these facts that that they say I, I, I'm on medication it sounds like they have a therapist that's amazing um they are preparing for college which means that they are are, are probably getting ready to go, which is amazing. And I think all this other stuff is sort of this tunnel vision that's playing out the absolute worst fear. And I just want to really question when you're in that mindset where you're, where you're going to make no friends and you're going to, you're going to not be able to get up in the morning and work or live. I, I just invite you to question the actual facts that you're sort of terrifying yourself about here that you're working on it. You you have a diagnosis. You know how to talk about this stuff. You have a therapist. It sounds like you're very afraid of leaving this realm. And I relate to that. I, I went to college knowing nobody. And it, it was very scary. It was a very shy person. It was terrifying. And that was the that was what I needed. And I think that for the acquired tastes among us, for for shy folks, like getting out of your comfort zone where everyone who has known you for your whole life and they see you in one way, getting into an environment like going to college where you're going to meet new people who've never met you before and don't have the background, define yourself as someone who is outspoken about their anxiety or define yourself, you know, however feels right. But I think it's sort of a there's a flip side to all these fears, which is how freeing it can be. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I also want to spend a little time speaking specifically to this letter writer's concerns about like how to seek out accommodations, whether or not this particular recommendation from their therapist is is going to prove useful. Because I think there's there's more to this question than simply just like, feel better, don't worry, everyone's insecure, have a great time. Um, I, I don't want to suggest that that will result in you having a good time. I do think it'll be useful to reframe. Um, but uh, you know, that's not, that's not everything. So for starters, you know, um, I, I think if you haven't already talked to your therapist about whether she is available to continue doing remote sessions, if you're going away for college, um, if she can offer you a referral, 
for for somebody who might be local to your college. Um, I don't know if you wanted to continue working with her and whether or not that would be possible, but to figure out a plan for who's going to be my my primary therapist while I am in my freshman year of college is, I think, a good question and will go a long way towards making you feel reassured about I'll have somebody that I'm checking in with regularly who's not my parents, um, who is, you know, going to keep things confidential um, and hopefully who I, I have already established like a fairly trustworthy uh, relationship with. Um, you should also be looking at whether your, your your college has an office of like student accommodations, student resources. You will not be by any stretch of the imagination the first student that they have had with an ADHD diagnosis. And so the good news there is that many people with similar problems have already come to campus and gotten help that they needed. Um, so, you know, I, I think maybe if you're worried about like making contact or initiating contact, bring that up with your therapist again and ask for either like help being accountable or for, for help just like making that very first email. Um, but again, just like accommodations for ADHD with students, especially when it comes to like testing or, or various assignments, not that it's going to be a, a breeze, but they will have handled it before. There will be an office that will be able to help you, even if they are sometimes just like getting in your way and driving you nuts. Like there will be a person and a group of people who whose job it is is to try to figure out how they can accommodate you totally and our and uh, yeah as you said adhd is a big thing it's very like i feel like more and more people are kind of realizing that that's pretty common and and it's okay to ask for help and if you don't get help early in your life like it's gonna follow you so it's it's really like beneficial that you know now and that you can start to work on that stuff yeah, your 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 college may also have like student disability services depending on what part of the country or what region of North America you're in. It may very well be that your diagnosis enables you to certain uh, disability accommodations, and I would really encourage you to pursue those. You are entitled to them for a reason, and you know you you are not going to be taking anything away from anyone. You will not be burdening the system by acknowledging your diagnosis. You will simply be existing and acknowledging that you sometimes want or need help. And that can feel really daunting, but is not in fact burdensome. I, I don't want to worry too much about assuming that your relationship with your parents must be really, really fraught if you worry that asking them about this will be burdensome. So I'll just say you don't have to talk about this with your parents. These are accommodations that you can get through your university without your parents' participation at all. Um, you don't need their permission. Um, you don't need their sign-off. These are accommodations that you can ask for your own behalf as a student. So hopefully that's just a relief to think like, great, I, I can talk about it with them if I would like to, but I can do it afterwards and just as like a sort of heads up. Totally. And and as far as the cat thing you can just walk outside and there's cats. You can just get one. You can just take yeah, one. I don't want to um, <laughs> get too bogged down in the question of like, what do people think about emotional support animals? I'll just say that that would be another good question to ask student services. Um, there may be local laws either prohibiting or making exceptions for emotional support animals. It's not like getting a seeing eye dog where there's like a national like registry or like kind of certificate that you can show. So one of the downsides of having an emotional support animal is what might be accepted as quote unquote legitimate in one campus or in one state or in one town might be rejected in another. So 
if part of what you're already really nervous about is jumping through a lot of logistical hoops and getting permission, getting a cat right now and then trying to figure out, am I allowed to keep it in my dorm? How do I access off-campus housing? If not, who do I petition to to get a second opinion? Am I bringing this to class? Like, you know, do some teachers accommodate that and others not? What about allergies of potential dorm mates? Like those might be more questions to deal with than otherwise. And it might actually be easier to say like, I am going to volunteer at an animal shelter once a week and pet all the cats. Yes. I love that idea. So that's not at all to say like, don't do it. I just mean like, if right now you don't yet know what accommodations are going to look like and you're already pretty nervous about the hoops, getting an emotional support animal might in fact present you with additional hoops. uh, And that would sort of go against the You'd be um, uh, hamstringing yourself, I suppose, is is the expression I'm struggling for. Well, I I see. I think that's a great word for kind of how the the, there's kind of a paralysis in in their voice of just I'm here and I can't stay here, but I also can't go. And it just Mm -hmm. seems that there's you can't stay here like you can't stay in your town and never change and never make new friends because you're afraid that you won't be able to. It's something that however hard and and I will acknowledge like it's super hard to to like leave the nest and go figure out your baseline and get to know yourself in a different way but it's it doesn't have to be like 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 Daniel said earlier like you don't have to go to college actually right away you can do what you can do whatever feels right but I think that the paralysis is something that is like not a long-term solution Yeah. I I do appreciate that though, too, because I think sometimes it can help you make decisions, not necessarily because you realize, oh, I want to quit everything, but sometimes it can help to remind yourself like, okay, as you were saying earlier, Hallie, like what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, if you have to take a leave of absence from college, or if you have to drop out, or if you flunk out, you know, sometimes it can help to think like, well, what would I do? And the answer might at first feel like I would die in the street and everyone would be staring at me and pointing at me and saying, it's your fault for dying. And then you can kind of get to like, you know, I guess I would consider moving in with this or that person, or I might have to move back in with my parents, or I might look for a job in, you know, this or that part of town and start to actually think through like, well, what would I do? And that might not mean like, great, I'll quit college. Fuck it. Like I do want to stay here, but it can just sometimes help you move something from the category of the impossible to, oh, that would be difficult. And here's what would happen next. Cause there's always something that would happen next until you die. There's always something that will happen next, even if it's awful and you hate it. And, and I just, I mostly share that because I, I too share that sense of like often bringing an unnecessary sense of catastrophe to already complicated situations, which is just like, and if it doesn't all go well, I will die. I will die of having too many feelings at the same time. Um, and I, I also have an ADHD diagnosis for whatever that's worth. So, um, yeah, gosh, I, I just really relate to this. I feel for this letter writer. And I, here's the thing. I had a terrible college experience. I went to the worst college imaginable. I went to a conservative Christian college in suburban Los Angeles. I had a miserable time. I was like in trouble for not going to chapel enough. I got in trouble for having a girlfriend. It sucked. I don't hardly keep in touch with anyone. It is. I, I think of those four years as just like a net loss. And I have a wonderful life that I love. And it's not because I was able to like put a silver lining on my college experience. I made a terrible decision about college. I had a lousy time. I got shit grades and I still continued to live and do different things afterwards. I was able to change my life even after a lousy college experience. Totally. I love that. Um, I don't, but I'm glad that it made you happy. Well, no, I love that. I love the point that 
that didn't define your whole life. It didn't, it didn't like having a bad college experience didn't change your, I mean, it obviously probably caused you to adjust your, your decisions or, or whatever, but, but didn't, yeah, it's, it's not forever. And like, I transferred schools after my freshman year, the first school did not work out at all. Like this stuff isn't forever. Like I, I think it's important to, to remember that it's four years. And I know that seems like a lot now, but it's really not. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing that I want to throw in here is just, I don't know if I'll be able to get up or live on my own. Uh, and I do want to flag that as like, that's, you know, if you're, if you're at a point where you feel like I can't get out of bed in the morning or not necessarily like I want to actively die today, but the sort of sense of like, if my life just sort of spontaneously ended, I'd mostly be okay with that. That is probably an indicator that you need more help than you're getting. And I don't say that to like say like immediately check yourself into the nearest psychiatric ward and like, you know, throw everything you can on top of yourself. I just mean like that would probably be a good indicator that things are not working. And it does not mean like you're flailing, you're fucking up. It means you need more help. And like depression might also be something that you need to consider um, in addition to the other diagnoses that you've already received. So if you're at a point where you're just like, I can't really function, don't really care if I get hit by a car tomorrow, you know, share that with your therapist, share that with somebody else whose judgment you trust, consider taking a leave of absence from school at that point and get the kind of help that you need. Um, Cause yeah, I, I don't know. I think if it is like my ankle hurts, you would not at that point, like run up and down the stairs yelling at yourself saying like, get over it. Get, I hope you wouldn't. I hope that would not be your response to, to realizing that your ankle hurts letter writer. So think of that not as an indicator that you're a fuck, fuck up and a failure, but an indicator that you're in pain and you need help. That's kind of it. I think just that like, I also, my heart really goes out for them thinking of themselves as an acquired taste. I would maybe want to suggest part of that has to do with growing up and living in the same town your whole life. And you don't yet know how many people are going to find you thrilling and delightful. And that often if people did not, you know, acquire a taste for you in high school, you will get to meet a lot more and new and different kinds of people in college who will say you're, you're wonderful. You're easy to like. Uh, and I hope you get to experience that. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.